Welcome to the Jockey Club, a podcast looking at the movie Let It Ride, one scene at a time. My name is Dan Delgado, and we're at historic Hialeah Park where one man is having the best day of his life. I'm having a good day. So come on in and hang out while we talk about this day and the greatest movie of all time, Let It Ride. Don't worry about that guy at the door. I've got you covered. You can even take my seat to the Jockey Club. Welcome back to the Jockey Club. My name is Dan Delgado. We are up to episode 24, which means that we are doing the 24th scene of Let It Ride. And yes, it's the 24th scene according to me. This is the scene where Looney attempts to rob Trotter and Johnny Casino attempts to collect money from Looney. And if you're playing along at home, this is from minute 10306 to 10557. And when it comes to Let It Ride fans out there, there are people who are more movie people and those who are more on the racing side of things. Joining me at my usual table is someone who definitely falls in the latter category, the wonderfully named Andrew Champagne. Andrew came to my attention when I saw him tweet that he'd likely seen Let It Ride 100 times. So I knew this was someone I needed to speak to. Andrew is a content producer at Catania Media and an award-winning writer and handicapper. He's also spent time at the Daily Racing Forum, TVG, HRTV, and the Saratogian. I hope I am pronouncing all of these things properly, but it's possible that I'm not. Okay, now let's head on up to the Jockey Club, where we will be discussing the Young Looney Chronicles, the wisdom of paying 12 years rent, and the 24th scene of Let It Ride. So what I like to do with somebody who is the first time I'm doing it, my first question to them is always, do you remember the first time that you saw Let It Ride? And do you remember what your initial reaction was to it? And has that changed over time? Sure. My dad showed it to me when I was very, very young, probably far too young to understand most of it. But even so, like when I... By the time I was in middle school, I knew how to read a racing horn. So for better or for worse, I knew a lot of the, the deeper stuff that people who've only gone to the racetrack a couple of times a year didn't necessarily get. So I got it earlier than most. It took a couple of viewings, but once you realize it, it, it clicks and everything starts going off. So had you been to the track by the time that you started, that, that you saw this movie, or was that afterwards? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I grew up an hour and a half south of this place right back here, Saratoga Racecourse. And that when that's your introduction to horse racing, you become a fan instantly. So I, I, I've been going there since I could walk, basically. <laughs> and so when you talk to other people at the track, other horse players, right? Is this the movie that they would refer to? Like if, if a movie conversation comes up, how often does this one loom as far as horse racing movies go, would you say? It's a movie for sure. I mean, <laughs> the movie for the last 15 years or so, you know, people have seen Seabiscuit and they've read that book. And that's a good movie. I enjoy Seabiscuit. It's a different movie. It's it's a very different movie. It's for a different audience. And, you know, that that is a movie about like a magical horse. But Let It Ride is a movie about 
the people at the track. That's precisely. Yeah. I mean, and even the little quirks, like my favorite scene, actually the one I thought you were going to ask me about is not far off from the one we're going to discuss. My favorite scene is before the fleet dreams race where he goes in and is asking everybody who they like, and they are so staunch and they cannot possibly be wrong. And everyone's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's funny about that scene is that I had somebody I did. That's one. Actually, I've been doing them all in a row, but that's the only scene that one. And and the one where he places the bed and they smoke the cigarette. That scene, somebody specifically asked for it at the very beginning. It was probably like maybe the second or third podcast that I did. I haven't haven't released it yet because I'm not up to it yet. But I recorded that one like four months ago. But yeah, that is a great scene. Like that whole bit. Although the one that we're talking about, I really love the scene. It's really, really funny. It's got this whole bit at the very beginning where Trotter immediately says, all right, I'm going to hire you for the rest of the day. Anyone makes a funny move, shoot them on sight. And then immediately is Looney in the red ski mask. (laughs) <laughs> in, in a disguise that could fool no one, right? No one. Like, that's the guy that's saying hot, hot, hot. You, you don't need a police lineup for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so immediately Looney fills the screen with that ridiculous look. Hey, Trotta. And everyone dives. Everyone runs away. And uh, Reardon has the gun out. And Trotter has to calm him down. It's okay that I, that I, I know this guy. And... That seems like, all right, maybe, maybe this will be settled. But now, now we have the other confrontation with Johnny Casino. Yeah. The, the funny thing with that is I recognized that guy yeah. initially because around the same time as I saw Let It Ride for the first time, I saw Eight Men Out for the first time. Oh. And he was one of the low-level bookies for Sports Sullivan that was like running bets and stuff. And one of the first scenes of the movie is him and Christopher Lloyd in the stands at a White Sox game. Oh, wow. You know, I have never thought about that. But, yeah, those movies are, you know, they're it's the same guy. Yeah. They may as well be the same role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he shows up and he is exactly he's working. He's the sidekick for a bookie. Yeah, you're right. He's like sort of, I guess, the muscle here. Wait, it's the same role. All right. So. We are, <laughs> this, I'm telling you, this scene cracks me up. I'm watching it minutes just before I got on the, on the call with you. This whole thing where as soon as he says, if anybody makes a funny move, you shoot him on sight. And then Looney shows up. Now, when Casino shows up and starts demanding pay up deadbeat, now Reardon is going to put his gun that way. And... Trotter makes it, I think, a very interesting statement here in order to defuse Reardon from killing people. He says, don't shoot anybody. I haven't got my money yet. I haven't collected yet. What does that have to do? (laughs) Like, if he had collected the money, would he be okay with bullets flying? So, like, my thing is, if he hasn't collected the money, he can't pay the security guard. Uh-huh. That's the only thing I can think of in that instance. But it's one of those <laughs> things where you're going, priorities, man. The yes. best friend tried to rob you. There's an imposing-looking guy down the hall <laughs> saying, pay up. He has you cornered because it's down a hallway. That's There's right. nowhere you can go. Yes. And you're concerned about, you know, just, you know, value your life a little more, Trump. 
Yeah, yeah. This is, I think, a, a very good example of maybe the mispriorities that uh, that Trotter has going on in his life right there. Yeah, that whole idea of, I haven't collected my money yet. I mean, I don't know. We, I think I think maybe just don't shoot people is probably what you really want. Just let's yes, not have anyone dead. Gates, guns are bad. Guns are bad. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, Reardon, I mean, I'm sorry. Casino drops this line. I don't like you one fuck, which then brings us the... Now, Reardon, I think, just wants to shoot him over the profanity, which is calling back to the scene earlier when Trotter was arrested. Yeah, yeah. He, he tries to shoot him, and the guy is just... You know, I, it, maybe it's just the learned, you know, acceptance of death being a possibility when you're going to collect a debt of how much? $850. Cause that's worth dying for. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Get that 850 out there. Well, also just dropping an F palm in a, in a public place could also, as, as far as written is concerned, it'll blow your head off. Yeah. For that. You know, it, the standards of 1988, when that movie came out, the standards of now, now you yell, I don't like you, one, whatever, and the entire crowd cheers. <laughs> exactly right. It's a whole different world that we're living in. <laughs> so Looney explains, listen, I lost the money from the blood bank. He got pickpocketed in the bathroom, which, of course, we know there's a pickpocket that's running around named Morgan, right? That's a yeah, name is Morgan. Trotter got picked up. Do I look like a Morgan? Do yeah. I look like a Morgan? Yes. That's also where I real I finally realized that's that's Dreyfus's brother in that scene. Real quick. It, all right, I'm just curious. Did you already know that that was I Lauren Dreyfus somewhere? Yeah. I knew he was in the movie because they see the name in the credits. But it's not until I'm doing this podcast where I'm like, ah, there he right. is. Yeah. So anyway, Edson's delivery on his lines. On his his threats. Pay up, you greasy little... You owe me, you greasy little bastard deadbeat. I'm going to get it, God damn it. You know, that. That whole thing that he's doing there. What do you think of this? I mean, it goes back to, well, everybody knows the neighborhood bookie, and everybody has the idea in their mind. Like, if you were to draw a caricature of that, it's this guy. Maybe a little smaller, but... He's the guy in every neighborhood that's 5'6 or 5'7, 150 pounds soaking wet, but walks around like he's 6'8, 275 for no justifiable reason. But it it goes with the rest of the movie because you've got a guy in Trotter, who's the main character, who is actually dressed in a decent suit for the time period. He's a cab driver. It's just one of those little tiny quirks where... You think for a minute, you're going, hmm, this is exaggerated a little bit, but because it captures the soul of all of these concepts that I associate with gambling and the racetrack and whatever, I'll go with it. (laughs) Okay, very good. Do you think Edson's outfit is uh, fitting for his character? This jacket, the the carpet shoes? I, yeah. I can I can forgive a lot because of the time period, right? It was the 1980s. Yeah. Mistakes were made. Okay. Gotcha. Very good. So now Trotter says, all right, listen, I'll pay Looney's tab. And Looney now says, no, I'll get my own money. I'll kill somebody if I have to, which I... <laughs> 
Andrews. Say that in the presence of a security guard. Come on. The, the guard who has the gun out, who's threatening to shoot people already. Yes. Now we're going to, he does not want Trotter to, to take care of him. He says, listen, I'm a loser. I deserve this. When was the last time I had a winning bet? So, this bit where he flips through this book, seemingly, I don't know, like he does it so quick and then stops. It's just, you know, I can just imagine that the direction is there is, all right, just flip for like 10 pages and then point. See, I love this line because December 3rd is my dad's birthday, and he's the one that introduced me to this movie. So I heard December 3rd, ooh, and then you hear three years ago, 22 bucks. <laughs> and immediately Trotter is just going, like yeah. repulsed, I just saw a cockroach in the shower. <laughs> yes, yes, Th that reaction from Trotter is just like, oh, this is the worst. This is the worst I've ever heard. Yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> But here's the other thing. Tell me. So if he hasn't had a winning week yeah. in three years yeah. and he owes $850, yeah. like there's, there's some drips and drabs in there. And maybe it's one of those things where he's like picking six games on the NFL slate. He's going three and three and losing on the, on the Vich, the rake. And then he just has one gigantic bad day. Like that's the questions you have, right? Because... If, if this guy is only down 850, mm -hmm. isn't that like an accomplishment and the fact that he's been churning a little while? I mean, he, this is true. This is a three-year-long losing streak, and we know that he's lost 500 to them today, right? He, yeah. He bet a nickel on the Packers, so that's where probably the, I'm guessing the bulk of it comes from. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it's honestly, you have to wonder, like, how close to death has Looney come before this? This can't be the I first time. Just give me a Looney prequel. <laughs> a Looney? Just Looney. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Looney. Something that shows how uh -huh. he is the unluckiest person in the world. Okay. And how he always gets himself into these situations. Okay. I mean, I feel like that has better call soul potential. Oh, wow. This is really a nice idea. I like this now idea. Now we're cooking with gas here. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we're going to see him recording people in the cab for his own amusements. We're going to see him, I guess, at the track, at the bar. But How he met Trotter, yeah. Yeah, all of that. Okay, I could go with this. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you for something here. Can you cast that role? Let's see. Okay. So... Looney in this particular situation was figure early to mid forties. Sounds about right. Yep. We're about okay. So I got one. We're gonna need to wait a couple of years for it. Okay. Okay. Well, we've well, we, well you know what? We've been waiting for thirty. So go ahead. Isn't this just crazy enough? All right. And doesn't this have just enough like surreal, holy out there for Shia LaBeouf to crush? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that... What else is he doing after the Don't Worry Darling fiasco? Come on! You know, I gotta tell you, I really kind of like that idea. It's he... not bad, right? No, it's not bad. He's got, like, natural manic energy. I could actually see that working out. Yeah, that's pretty good, I gotta say. I was... Yeah, shoot, the more I think about it, the more sense it makes, you know? Yeah, who knows? All right, all right, all right. Do you do you have a, a, a trotter, a younger trotter? Let's see. Younger right. version. 
younger version of Richard Dreyfus. Yes, right? yes. Okay. Feel like we're I'm doubling down by asking you this one because I don't oh, know if you're I don't know if you're gonna get one as good as this one with Shia LaBeouf. No, I really like I, that. It, Richard Dreyfus absolutely nailed that role. Yeah. Because now I'm just you got me thinking. Let's revisit that down the line. Okay. All right. Need, That's I'm gonna need somebody early to mid 40s starting to lose his hair a little bit mm-hmm. drives a cab mm-hmm. has an unjustified sense of being someone who's important someone a little bit profane mm-hmm. yep all of those things that's a thought that's going to fester It'll okay come to me at some point all right all right Wh- whenever that thought comes to you now if it's if it's before we're done recording or if it's three weeks from now you let me know what the oh, result of that thought is going to be because we're you got it. all right, got it. all right, very good, very good. I'm impressed with the Shia LaBeouf. I feel like I had this conversation with somebody on an, a previous podcast. You know, no, Looney's brother. Remember, ah, uh, you got a brother yeah, in Cleveland. Call him up. Yeah, who plays the brother? We had I had that conversation. I've got the brother. You've got the brother. Oh, yes. all right, give me the brother. Cleveland celebrity Mike the Miz Mizanin. Oh my god. <laughs> I can cast the brother. I can't cast Trotter. <laughs> yeah, that's an man. Th- what a choice. We're going big here. I'm, I'm not big on souls. The movie like this, it's got to be over the top and it's got to bash you over the head like a mallet. Well, that's one way. Yeah, okay. Well, you picked a guy that's going to bash somebody over the head. So that works out, I suppose. All right. All right. Very good. So Looney declares that he is now committed to Trotter for the rest of his life for settling this bet. Do you believe that that's going to be accurate? We we don't know the answer to this, but in your own estimation. Not in a million years. This is $850, and at the end of the movie, he and Jennifer Tilly's character are already sizing each other up, and you know that Looney is going to drop Trotter like a bad habit if she decides that, you know, she just doesn't want him around anymore. (laughs) So so this is not going to last, this promise for the rest of my life. No, that has the average lifespan mm-hmm. of someone on yeah. horse racing Twitter saying they're quitting horse racing forever, and then an hour later they're back with the late Daily Double. Okay, got it. That sounds about right. I, this is exactly kind of how I've looked at it. I've never thought about it too much. Into over time, as they get older, I'm like, yeah, I don't know how good that that promise is going to be. I mean, considering his reasoning for being upset with Trotter to begin with, because he snuck around and bet and screwed him, which which makes zero sense whatsoever. It yeah. just feels like, yeah, that's a, a flimsy promise there. I've got Trotter. Oh, oh it, it happened. Yes. It happened. All right. All right, everybody. Hang in. Andrew is now going to unveil his choice for a younger Trotter. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman? Nick Offerman is, is, is bigger the the size is well. You make him lose a little bit of weight. I mean, he's actually started to slim down a little bit. He's lost <laughs> the mustache. He's going to wind up losing some of his hair. And also, uh-huh. if you wind up doing that, yeah. you get Megan Mullally as a potential side character. That's not right. <laughs> and she's hilarious. Okay, that's not bad. But Nick Offerman's got to be like in his fifties. He's older than Trotter was. Are you, are you going to tell me? You, you can play games with makeup that you couldn't play games with in the mid 1980s. Okay, it, it would be believable, and oh. you'd also be able right. to have somebody who's capable of both hitting the comedic high notes and some of the dramatic stuff. Because Nick Offerman is freaking awesome at everything he does. I would agree with that part. All right, so I've got Nick Offerman. I'm, I'm 
keeping track of this, by the way. Good, good, good. good. We're, we're formulating a cast, and if right. you wind up shopping this around to some desperate, desperate film studio, you know they won't have to do any of the legwork. They'll just have to make phone calls. That's right. We'll just fill it in for you. We got everything. All right. So they have this nice little hug. Everything's all fine. Johnny Casino's rolling his eyes at them. Now we're going to count the money. Now we're going to move to this part where... All right, you're getting your $69,000. And I got to tell you, it took me forever to figure out exactly what Trotter was saying. So we're now going to have a scene that's almost the opposite of the scene we had earlier, where he won $710 and he declared himself to be rich. Yeah. We're going to count out. All right, so here's what we're going to do with the money. All right, you ready, Andrew? Yeah. We're going to send five bottles of Andrew champagne to the Fleet Dream stall. The we're, highest cost champagne you can buy. Hey, we got to do two dozen roses to the owner. Now, is this it in like a malaprop? Did he do this backwards? It seems like you would send the roses to the stall and the champagne to the owner. But he says it backwards. Yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of clear thinking here. And I'm going to stop you when you get to one point of this. Oh. because it completely disproves the notion that he's broke. But keep going. All right. Go right ahead. All right. So And also, a case of light beer to the jockey. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not kidding. And now we're going to, he's doing his trotter math, right? Start out with 34.50 because the government's going to take half, okay? He's going to do eight for a Buick, I believe he says. Yeah. Furniture. Pam wants a water cruise, which, is there a cruise that's not a water cruise? I don't know. Yes, Toyota made it. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to need a. I'm going to need a rim shot to add Yes, this. you do. A yeah. rim shot or just people booing and throwing tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. All right. 12 years rent. That one right there. Okay. 12 years rent. That's assuming he's not working anymore. If I had 12 years rent saved up and continued to like work at my job, mm-hmm. don't tell me you're broke when you have 12 years of rent wholly saved up enough to potentially... Maybe not rent. Maybe buy your own house. Just saying. You know, also, the other thing that gets me about that is how good of an apartment do you think Trotter is living in that Trotter and Pam have together? It's a duplex. We know that because the street address is a half. So it's either a duplex or a back house or something. But, yeah, it's, you know, 12 years rent. I mean, yeah, you've got a safety blanket or whatever. But the big spoiler alert on this, the big thing at the end is him looking into the camera with $69,000 in front of him going, I'm broke. Yes. You're not broke. You just don't know how to manage money. And guess what? No gambler knows how to manage money effectively. Not no, but less than 1%. So there you go. Just, Just for clarification, Andrew, where do you fall in that? Smart enough to wear... I am not a professional gambler. I just cover the gambling industry. Ah, very good. Very good. <laughs> so the rest on the list, I think, is groceries, broken glass at the jockey club, and then Looney's tab, the big fat 850. Yeah, Trotter does his math, declares himself to be broke, and now he's very hesitant about giving the 850 out of the 34.5 that he has. I don't know if I want to, if it's worth saving your life on the 850, but he gives it anyway. Yeah, because 
at that point, you sort of have to because he does have the entire $69,000 with him. The yes. government hasn't taken it yet. So you wind up with the $69,000. They put it in a box. The box gets referenced in a couple of different instances throughout yeah. the movie. Yes. And they come out and Looney is, you know, thanking him left and right. And Trotter's trying to find ways to weasel out. But all of a sudden, Looney says, you're my king. In that little squeaky, pathetic voice. And Trotter's going, oh, God, I can't stand him up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. And Casino's like, yeah, you'll be back. And Looney insists that he will not. I've, I've seen the light. Andrew, he's seen the light. Come on. Again, I got the under on that. Okay. <laughs> We're taking the under on that. All right. Says Andrew the cynic. So let me ask you this. You win $69,000. Now I'm looking for some professional information from you. You win $69,000. How does that work where the government takes half? Sure. So at the racetrack, by the way, I actually get to explain this because this has changed the last couple of years. It has changed to where instead of taking X amount over $600, that -hmm. was the rough amount. There were similar schematics there, but for simplicity's sake, it was anything over 300 to one on the payout. Well, now it's anything over 300 to one on the wager. So under these rules, all of a sudden, Trotter's money isn't necessarily subject to federal taxes because it's less than 300 to one. Oh, wow. So if this happened today, it's a whole different ballgame for him. Yeah, it's a, it's a little different because it's just isolated win bets. You know, he put the $50 on a horse that, you know, got him back 710. That's far less than 300 to one. He put the $700 down and then got 2400 back, he'd have gotten more from that. And then he would have been able to put more on Fleet Dreams and gotten a lot more out of that. And all of a sudden, it's a six-figure day before Hot to Trot winks at him. So back then, when does the government come and take half of his money? Is that something that he has to do on his own? It was above a certain threshold, and yeah, you've got to record it. You fill out a form, and that's why after the second win bet, they required his autograph, and he had to fill out a form. And that's ultimately how the government winds up tracking you, and you could write that off with some losing bets so that that way it sort of balances it out. But the the situation has changed with regard to tax withholding, and that's very good for horse players. Hmm. And so if we're looking at it like this, right, so you're right, so... Yeah, the, they need Uncle Sam's going to need your autograph for this much. He's going to have to pay half on that first win, even though he bet all of that money. Well, that's the thing. If he got half of it, and what did he wind up getting for that second one later, like two thousand and change? Yeah, figure he was supposed to get double that. So if he put seven hundred down on, it, he was supposed to get five grand. That horse would have been six, seven, one there thereabouts. Okay, yeah. So it's not as though the government's going to come and say, look, you owe us thirty-four fifty here, and then you owe us on that second bet as well. Right. It's, it's a little bit inconsistent the way they laid it out. Okay. The long story short is, yes, it worked at that point. It doesn't work that way now necessarily. Okay. All right. Then that's all that I need to know about that. All right. So we've come to the, to the end of this scene. Andrew, you got any other thoughts you want to lay on me about this? Oh, it's just such a great movie. And we mentioned this earlier on. There are other horse racing movies. 
There's the Sea Biscuits, the Secretariats out there. They're good movies, but they accomplish different things. The reason Let It Ride works as well as it does is because it's a movie for horse players about horse players. Everybody knows somebody like, say, a cheeseburger who's overly flamboyant at the racetrack. Everybody knows the stuffed suits in the jockey club who walk around, you know, acting like they've never done anything wrong, acting like any losses they have they can write off or up half a cent on overpriced birthday envelopes, as Greenberg said. You know, people that have been around the track long enough, there's a reason it's still a favorite movie for so many of those people. And just some of the scenes in that movie, my dad likes to reference the initial scene at the beginning where they're walking into the track and the tout is going, had the daily double. And Linda goes, 18 months ago? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, and that goes to the horse player ethos, right? Like, there's people that have had one big score and made a career out of it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I I kind of speculated on that guy. Like, did did he get the Daily Double that one time in his life? And now this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell tip sheets forever just based hey, on that. As Trotter figured out, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. All right, Andrew, I think we're done here. Unless you got anything else you want to add in. I just want to say thank you. I mean, this is a fun podcast about a really fun movie. Going scene by scene through it and just all the little quirks that are so hilarious when you put them together. You are doing the Lord's work, my friend. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Jockey Club. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dan Delgado. Thank you to my special guest, Andrew Champagne. Our theme music is from Epidemic Sound. Our cover art is by Sean Labrie. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, and yes, I'd like to think that you did enjoy this episode, then you can help the show out by buying me a coffee. This is really a thing. There is a link to it in the show notes on how to do it. And a couple of you out there have actually done it. And these are people that I hold near and dear to my heart. Now, if you're saving up all your pennies to bet on the long shot, I understand. You can still support the show by leaving a free five-star review on someplace like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you may be listening to this. Also, check the show notes for a link on how to buy yourself some Jockey Club merch. Yes, that's a thing, too. You can also contact me through email if you want. It's dan at moviemaker.com. I am always on Twitter at underscore Dan underscore Delgado. Or even better, I am on the Repod app, which is a great way to not only to listen to podcasts, but to interact with podcast hosts like myself. Find it in your app store and come on by and say hello. This has been Dan Delgado for The Jockey Club. And remember, sometimes you could be walking around lucky and not even know it.